Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, follow your intuition. Intuition is defined as an ability to understand or know something without needing to think about it or use reason to discover it. It's also known as trusting your gut or feelings versus facts. Here to discuss is Jess Cording, who is a registered dietitian, health coach, in-demand public speaker, host of the Drama-Free Healthy Living podcast, part of the Mind Body Green Collective, and author with a passion for helping people make drama-free healthy living approachable and enjoyable. Her books are The Little Book of Game Changers, 50 Healthy Habits for Managing Stress and Anxiety, and her latest, The Farewell Tour, A Caregiver's Guide to Stress Management, Sane Nutrition, and Better Sleep, which is her intimate, funny, heartbreaking journey of Jess caring for her dad during his battle with terminal pancreatic cancer. And she asks, when your loved ones need you most, who's taking care of the caregivers? Welcome, Jess. Barbara, it's so nice to be here. Thanks. It's really great to have you on the podcast. So my first question is always, why did you choose the phrase, follow your intuition? You know, that has been, my intuition has been my inner pilot light my entire life. It's always been the thing that when I listen to it, it's never wrong. It it always knows. So wait, so you started tapping into your intuition as a child? Oh my goodness. I thought everybody was very well acquainted with this. I just thought everyone kind of walked around kind of knowing bits of information and just feeling that level of connection. Um, then I made the mistake of you know talking about it uh, at the age of probably 10 years old and got teased mercilessly, but it just, it was always there. It was, um you know, insistent at times when even I wanted to act quote unquote normal and just ignore it um it's just it's been just I, I remember being a little kid and just being aware of just this inner I don't want to say inner wisdom exactly but you know just this inner knowing this inner voice okay you just said so many interesting things in just a couple of sentences so one you know the inner knowing so I'm just curious in your case how it shows up and if it shows up in different ways whether it's physical sensations and the vibe or I just get something telling me and or do you ever actually get a voice? you know, like conversation going and when those happens, but also can you remember certain times as a child when that thing, your intuition was strong and you were glad you followed it or regretted not following it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, did I ever hear a voice? Um, I mean, that people are going to realize <laughs> they're talking to you pretty, pretty quickly, but yeah, I, um, I grew up just thinking everybody had you know, spirits in their homes and kind of got messages and dreams and just sort of, um, cause that's where a lot of my stuff comes in when I, in, in dreams, but also just in the moment, you know, I remember being a little kid and I would have like a voice say like, Oh, like walk that way. Don't walk this way. And then like something would fall down, um, you know, where I was standing or just got feelings about people. Um, you asked if I get physical sensations and sometimes I do. Um, I, I notice it in a certain feeling I get in my throat. And sometimes my eyes water um, and I get this tingly feeling. And that's usually a sign for me um, that there's, I'm looking, I'm experiencing something really um, 
well, I mean, we could go so many levels of woo here, <laughs> but you know, that feeling like you know someone before that the first, the first time you meet them is not really the first time you've met, you know, that's a sensation I've had many times in my life. And there is a physical sensation that goes along with that. But for me, with the intuition, it's always been, it feels like a pull, you know, and that's a physical feeling. It's also an emotional feeling, but noticing that I am pulled in a particular direction towards a particular person, place thing, you know, there's just this, um, you know, cause there's like everyday feelings, but then it's, it's a different frequency for me. You know, it's where I know I have to listen to it and, um, to follow that, that particular urge, whatever it might be. And it's different than an impulse. That's a little bit more feels like an, up uh, for your listeners who are listening, not watching, you know, that feels much more like a, like a mind, like top of head thing. Whereas the intuition feels like it's more coming from like my, my throat chest area I, to put it in more physical terms. For background, I have a mother who is a certified hypnotherapist. So I grew up like being exposed to all these different um, complementing alternative treatment modalities and ways of looking at things. Like, you know, if I had a sore throat growing up, she would say, oh, your throat chakra is blocked. Like, you know, what do you want to say that you can't say? So these are all very normal things to me um, as a child and teen and, and on. And, you know, I kept it to myself a lot. You know, when I was a child, I didn't censor. But then as I got older, I realized um, to stay safe, you know, as a teen, <laughs> I, I felt like I needed to censor for a long time. And then I got to the point where I just stopped caring. <laughs> it's like, this is who I am. This is part of me. And this is actually part of what has helped me be successful and, and be well. So I stopped ignoring it and downplaying it and just really open about it. Well, I want to validate, I, you know, I, I work with a variety of people, as you're well aware, and so many people in the complimentary spaces have said to me, to your point, some people say that we all have it, it's just the vast majority of us are not tapped into it. And so uh, you were just born with open channels, which is amazing. And I think there are many cultures, you know, that ha are more open than others or more... Yeah. Uh, faith traditions, etc. So, uh, you know, to me, that's a wonderful thing. So what I really want to get says, as for people who are listening, and we get, you know, to connect to these things broadly, is how does it serve you? Right? And like, and how is it how is following your intuition made a difference, uh, you know, in your career and the choices that you've made in your career? So I, you know, it's funny, I was born, like the second I learned how to write, I just basically didn't stop. <laughs> It was just like a compulsion for me. Um, writing has always been just the thing I do when I should be doing other things. Like there was no choice for me not to have that be a part of how I make a living. That said, you know, I think that for me where intuition has come in in career has been really following my gut on which opportunities to pursue and which ones to let go of or which ones to know to file them away for later. So, you know, for example, I, I went to college for uh, writing. I got a, you know, I remember I was interested in nutrition. You know, I, I've been very open about the fact that I did have a childhood eating disorder. And, um, you know, though I found sustainable healing through that, through working with a dietitian and a therapist who really taught me about tuning into my body, which was something that young me, who was surrounded by people with terrible relationships with their bodies and food like I needed to learn how to tune into my body because the brain we, we had that going down but like the the body was really important but so I was interested in nutrition as a career but I hated chemistry class so much hated it didn't even finish it 
And um, so I followed a writing scholarship to, um, to Emerson College. And, you know, I moved to New York right after graduation. I started, you know, working a few different jobs, but I just wasn't, I knew I wasn't in the right place. I just, I was learning a lot, but I just, I knew that that wasn't my path. I was um, doing more publicity work and it was interesting, but I was like, there's something else. And I remember very clearly, I got really quiet. This was before I really knew what meditation was. And I just pictured what kind of environment did I want to show up in every day? And what I hit on was I, I imagined somewhere with soft lighting, <laughs> the sound of water, uh, and I had this this gut feeling that what I was meant to do was really that I would be working closely with people, you know, having a you know, probably a one on one conversation or, you know, that either I would be talking them through something or that something that I had created was helping them work through something and help it. And I knew that part of it was I wanted them to feel less alone. Like for some reason, that was very key in in that feeling of like connectedness and this dream office environment, I guess. So I went on Craigslist and I had it in my head that maybe I should just apply for um, jobs like in a chiropractor's office or like some kind of like alternative healthcare facility or something. And I ended up finding a job on, again, this is Craigslist. So it tells you how long ago it was. I don't know if people still use Craigslist for job listings, but um, I took a job as an office manager for an acupuncturist and it was there while I was, you know, managing her day-to-day -day office operations and also ghostwriting her marketing materials and blogs, this was pre-social media, that was what really gave me the bug to go back to school and study nutrition. And my boyfriend at the time was furious. He was like, I can't believe you would apply to nutrition programs and not ask me first and that you would just decide to do this big thing. And thank God 23-year-old me, like, knew not to listen to that. Because even though it was really hard, I just... Grad school, oh God, all my first gray hairs in like biochem class. It was tears all the time, especially because when you have an unsupported partner, it's hard to make progress. But um, I just, I knew it was right. And, um, you know, so that's just one example, but just listening to a gut feeling of how I wanted to feel in my workday and letting myself be guided to the things that would uh, draw me there. Wow. So we're talking a lot about trust and trust in yourself. Because you just described a situation where you're really swimming upstream, meaning you're you're in a course that's presenting day-to-day -day challenges. By the way, chemistry, the worst grade I ever got in my entire life. I'm with you right there. Um, but you know what I mean? And an unsupported partner. So it, I'm riveted because, and that's why I so wanted to talk to you about this topic, is to help any of us also start to understand to tap into exactly what you know you have as a superpower was this idea of, of trusting the your internal guidance system is amazing because you had a lot of things coming at you that were challenging to say that maybe you shouldn't be doing this. You like oh, it, yeah. it was hard. It wasn't like you trusted your gut and it was easy. Oh. It was like right. you you were like lessons for days. Do you ever sit there and go, okay, I've got the lesson. Thank you. Can we move on oh. from this lesson? Yes. Oh yeah. That definitely like I wish that there was a way to not go through that because you can know that something is like teaching you something, but you don't know the lesson yet. Or you see the lesson, but you're like, all right, I want to move on. I want to feel better now. Like let's let's get past this thing. So how did this build on each other? Because the other thing is, you know, and why our paths cross is because you, you've always understood 
the um, public facing side of what you do, you know, as a nutritionist and as an author and as somebody who's actually creating meaningful content around the topics that you discuss that how much you need to communicate. So when did, when did your gut lead you in that direction? So I don't know if you know this about me, but I have a dark past in slam poetry and stand-up comedy and storytelling. So that's always been part of the story. Okay. So how did we land there? Like how did, what, okay. How did, how did your internal guidance system get you on that a stage the first time to do any of those things, which are pretty nerve wracking the first time so, for anyone? I really loved music as a kid. I, I played a lot of instruments, so I was very comfortable being on stage and performing. I I mean, I did dance class. I was a terrible dancer, so a terrible dancer. Music I loved, you know, and as a kid, like growing up in a small town, like if there was a school play, everybody got a part. So I was very comfortable um, in front of a crowd. Like I'm very shy in real life if I don't know someone, but in on stage, I, I've talked to rooms of like, hundreds, you know, even more people, no problem. Um, but raising my hand in a meeting is really scary. But um, when I guess, I'm trying to think, when was it not there? Um, but it, when I when I was in college, you know, I was again, a writing major and I just fell into, you know, Boston at the time had this really wonderful uh, performance poetry community. And I, and I've been very open about this as well. I have a lot of trauma in my past. You know, I am a survivor of sexual assault and that definitely impacted how I relate to my mind and my body and talk about needing to learn trust. You know, that that's a big piece of that journey. And um, for me, I found that slam poetry was a really great way to talk about my experiences and express myself. And um you know, writing was one way to do that, but there was something that just felt so good about being on stage in a freaking bar and just like yelling or, you know, into a microphone or, you know, using silence also really effectively and just really having that really intense experience with others who maybe had also gone through that. You know, I really, that connection was really meaningful to me. And I, um, I, I even helped found a slam poetry team at my college that I think they're still going strong. Like it's pretty, which is pretty cool because that was a long time ago now. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I When I was in that relationship, um, when I was in my early 20s, who, you know, with the, the man who tried to talk me out of going to school, basically, and all through kept trying to tell me to quit. He did not approve of my writing, especially not my creative writing, of my performance. It just... And that's his stuff. You know, I have I haven't talked to this person in like over a decade. But when I started working in in um, the hospital setting, I realized there were a lot of similarities. You know, like a lot of what had enabled me to be on stage and tell a story was a lot of similar skills to what enabled me to go into somebody's room, share information with them, respond to their energy and kind of deliver what message I needed to deliver in the best way to connect with them and help them. So where it shows up for me today, you know, I still do storytelling. I, you know, I've taught writing courses. I, I write different for different publications. I have my own podcast, you know, but I find that when it comes to, uh, um, you know, patient care, client care, um, a lot of it is really about how I'm communicating with somebody and being able to share information in a way that's meaningful and useful. Um, so that's, that's, that's a lot of how that has looked. 
I appreciate you're connecting that dot. And that's the reason why many, many corporations bring in, whether it's improv training or all sorts of communication skills and performance skills where you think there you are in a hospital going into a stranger's room to build trust. And you were there for, about healing, but all the, the transferable skills from performance and connection and connectivity to yourself and presence. I love it. Now I want to ask kind of in a brass tax thing. I mean, you've written two books, which means you have editors, you work in collaborative fields. And one of the reasons what I'm getting at with the following your intuition is navigating that when, when you may be getting notes or someone you're working with or the person who wrote the check, whatever has some different thoughts. How do you navigate that when you're like, wow, my my gut, my intuition, my whatever we want to call it is is telling me either stick to my guns or that this is the right direction. Does that come up? First of all, does that come up for you? And how oh, have you dealt yeah. with that? Okay, good. Now we're getting brass tacks. Oh. This is like takeaways for the audience. So I think there's a few things that I've, I've learned. And I think there have been times when this has been more possible than other times, you know, depending on, you know, different phases in my career when I had to make choices that were more finance-based. Mm-hmm. Like where I'm at right now is I'm in a position where I can be more selective about the creative projects I do. And something that I, I learned through having more experiences like that when I was maybe being asked to compromise in ways that I was not comfortable because um, to your point, there are times when my intuition said, stick to your guns, um, this is worth it. And other times where I had to pick my battles, but then later regretted it because maybe they used what I created in a way that I didn't feel great. Like there's, I, I'm not going to name names, but there's a project I worked on a few years ago, uh, pre, pre, pre-COVID, where I just, when I heard what they did with it after I was done with that project, I was just, I was like, you know what, I'm never going to do something where I'm not clear out of, ahead of time, you know, about that. And I think some of it is being very thoughtful about the projects that you choose. You know, and for me, that involves having deeper conversations when exploring whether to do a project, not just about the nuts and bolts of the deliverables and de- deadlines and, you know, fees and all that, but really about their goals, what they want to accomplish with the project that maybe you're being contracted for. And kind of really, I try to be very thoughtful about only working with people whose visions align with my own. They don't have to be the same vision, but things that I would be okay, like when I let go the reins after the project is done, just to know that it's out there with my name and likeness attached to it. Like that's, that's a barometer for me, you know, that gut check. Um, But in terms of what I'm writing, like I still have times where, you know, I tend to be very, I don't like to upset people. I think because I'm working with people all day, I, I see the ways that, you know, that sometimes people take something to heart that they see in the media. So I'm always trying to be really careful about not not alienating people and wanting people to feel included. I want people to feel heard and seen and supported. And sometimes that's not aligning with click with clickbait, you know, like operations, not, not great SEO. Like feelings are wonderful when you're a clinician, like, and you're helping someone, but it's not always the same stuff that's going to get clicks. And I have had many battles with editors over the years where I'm like, I don't like that title. That's dishonest. I wouldn't say that. And that happens not infrequently. You know, I have to pick my battles with those things and really look at the bigger picture. You know, with my books, you know, I, it's funny. I feel like this came up more with the little book of game changers. Part of it is I think that book was a little more, there was a lot of me in it, but not as much. And I think I had more um, 
the type of content, you know, I think that it was a little when, you know, when you're writing something that's not your experience, it's more public space and more opportunity for people to have opinions on it. So I did find myself having to navigate a little bit of that. And obviously, if it's something that's science based, you know, I can come back and be like, well, this is what's in the literature. So this is how we should phrase this thing. You know, one reason I really have found myself drawn to sharing personal stories in the context of sharing information and resources is that, you know, I think that it adds a human element that helps people, even if they haven't had the same experience as you, you know, they recognize that you're a human and that, you know, you are sensitive to the fact that they may be going through very human things as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't remember who can be originally credited with this statement, but I first heard it from um, one of my favorite comics, Mike Birbiglia, um, sharing that, you know, if you put yourself in your jokes, it's harder for people to steal them. <laughs> and I, that resonated a lot with me. That's a great line. What's your intuition telling you to follow now? I mean, like next in, in terms of career or life or? So, you know, I'm feeling called you know, right now as we're recording this, something that's been on my mind for a while is just to keep leaning into the storytelling thing. You know, I've gone through phases where I've tried to do what others are doing, you know, try to follow the different social media trends or try to, you know, going to do this, this online course or this, you know, uh, this type of campaign. And I, where I'm at right now is I just feel just really called to just be true to this part of what I do, the the communication and the storytelling, that it doesn't have to be exclusive of the other work that I do. So like, can we talk about your your new book, by the way? Yeah. Because, and, and following that, because that is also very, very intimate in the notion of, of giving care and then giving care to yourself. So did, did you know when, you know, you were caring for your dad that you would turn it into a book or chronicle it? I think I had a, a gut feeling about that too. Um, Cause my, the title of the book, the farewell tour actually comes from my dad in the last months. Cause so when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, you know, it was deemed inoperable. It was right around the time you and I met actually, I think maybe within a few weeks and his care team was very realistic. They were like, no one to date has survived this. And um We'll throw some trial drugs at it, see what happens. And um, in the meantime, get your affairs in order and make the best of this time that you have. So we were just went right into sprint mode, you know, and he had the, the first eight months or so, he was on this one trial drug that worked incredibly, but that stopped working after a while. And then the next drug stopped working after a few months. And after about a year, I remember I was at his house one day and he was in the kitchen, he was on the phone and you know, he's rummaging in the freezer for an ice cream bar. And he just kind of saw him chuckle to himself as he hung up the call. And he turned to me and he said, man, once they know you're dying, everybody wants a piece of you. <laughs> and so we started calling it the farewell tour because he worked in the music industry and in, on the promotion side. And it was just a framework my family understood. You know, I, I really remember thinking that this whole experience of being on this caregiver journey was in some ways similar to, you know, what he would describe, you know, his artist's life on the road was like, and the, you know, the music industry is, as you know, it demands a lot, not just of the artists, but of the people supporting them, whether it's on the business side, the band, you know, the crew, you know, doing like lights and sound and craft services, whatever, like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a grind. And so that idea was kicking around in my head, you know, and I remember there was a moment where I was sitting with my mom, we decided to take one last family vacation 
and uh, like about a month before my dad passed. And she and I were sitting in the pool drinking. <laughs> I think I was drinking Prosecco. I, I like barely drink alcohol anymore, but that year we all drink. And um, I remember sitting with her saying there was, there's this, like, this big lizard like walking by. And I was like, you know, maybe when in, we make the farewell tour movie, this will be the cover, like us in the pool with booze and the big lizard just kind of trying to pretend that everything is fine. But so I think it was it was there, but I was so in it. I think I just was really focused on just hanging on and just being as present as I possibly could. Because I know me with projects, you know, once I get something in my head, in my heart that I know it's going to be a project, I can walk away from it and know that I'll be called back to it when it's the right time. And I do feel like that experience of caring for my dad had that quality. I remember just documenting in a lot of ways, whether that was in my journal, whether that was in my in my mind, um, just kind of taking notes mentally and just knowing that one day all this stuff was going to be important when I had some perspective. I mean, it was important in the moment, but I mean, the idea of creating it into something tangible you know, I mean, as a writer, every day is fair game. It's all material. I hate to say that, but I definitely have had it. You know, you're talking about earlier, you know, asking like, all right, like I got the lesson. Like, are we done? You know, I definitely have gone through phases in my life when I feel like I'm getting bombarded with so many things at once where it feels like it's happening in like a very cinematic way that I'll just be like, all right, universe, like this is great material, but I need a break. There was an element of that. So what I'm hearing though, the so much about this is taking the time to know in the variety of ways how to listen to yourself, right? You're always listening and trusting. And then the ways that you do it, whether that's meditation, journaling, saving. Has there ever been a specific thing when you realize, wow, I didn't and I should have? Like you felt it, you were like, and you shushed it. Yeah, I mean, I would say... When I was a sophomore in college, um, I I got I went to a comedy show one night. So I remember it was like midnight when the show got out, and there was this guy who had a crush on me, and I was really bad at setting boundaries with men in college. I just had a really hard time. I think I was very much still healing from like PTSD and such. And he wanted to walk me home, and I remember knowing that if he walked me home, that I would feel obligated to invite him up. So. I said, you know what, I'm going to, it's only a 10 minute walk. I'm fine. I will be, it's okay. Um, Cause I didn't want to go through that. I remember so I was crossing through the park and I just had this feeling the second I, I said goodbye to my friend. I was like, Oh no, this is, this, this is not a good idea. I walked down this, this uh, park like so many times in the daytime, but it's nighttime. I've never done this before midnight. Something I just knew. I remember the feelings so well. I just had this pit in my stomach, but it was overshadowed by wanting to not sleep with this guy. And uh, so I just, I knew it. Like second I, I started walking, I see this guy pulling leaves off of the tree, like out of his mind. And I was like, oh no, no, no. So I tried to like hold back and not, not, uh, not engage him, but he made eye contact and he started talking to me. And he's, I remember he said, oh, you know, is it a, is it a Taurus that's got you down or is it, is it a Pisces? And I wanted to remember, I remember wanting to wave it off, but he was right. <laughs> like one of each. 
so what happened was this, this guy says to me, he said, this is a random stranger in the park who clearly was not in his right mind. He says, maybe you hate God and you don't believe in angels, but just for tonight, consider me your guardian. You're not supposed to die tonight. Someone said a prayer for you and nothing, I'm not going to let anything bad happen to you. We're going to get you home. And I just was like, you know, 20 year old me was going through a lot of stuff mentally, emotionally. And it just, I remember just being, it was like, I wanted to, I, I wanted to not follow him, but it was like my, you know, fight, flight, or freeze sometimes can look like staying in motion. And the whole time, you know, he, he kept saying to me, you're going to be okay. I'm not going to let anything bad for you happen to you. And he said, well, if you need more angels, I'll send them after you. And he, I shook his hand. And I just remember he had this very light, light grip. But he, when I looked at his eyes, they were like this weird glowing mint green color. And I just had this, this feeling come over me. And I didn't know if I believed in any of that. But just something in that switched for me. I felt different after that moment. You know, I guess things did start to get a little bit easier. But I also felt like, wow, I got really lucky. Because <laughs> walking across the park at night, so many horrible things could have happened. And yet somehow I got delivered home safely. <laughs> That's an incredible story. How can people find you, Jess Cording, and find your books? Yeah, so I'm on uh, all the social media places. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Jess Cording, all one word. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Jessica Cording Nutrition. Uh, you can visit my website, jessicacordingnutrition.com. Sign up for my newsletter. I send out a couple times a month and share you know, special content with my audience. Um, my books can be purchased anywhere that you buy books, whether that is um, print copy, prefer digital. And um, my podcast is the Drama Free Healthy Living Podcast, which is available on um, Apple, Spotify, all the places that podcasts are downloaded. Great. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you're interested in media coaching for you or your team, please shoot me a note and please be sure to visit ableintermedia.com and download my free ebook. 12 tips for success on camera. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.